When you're deep in a dark dungeon and the cleric's down and dying And you've taken all the potions you had left And you feel like you are doomed because that demon you set loose is coming after you And you can smell its breath Don't ever give up Hello, welcome to the Role Playing Exchange. This is your host, Adam, and joining me today are co-hosts... Noah. And Chris. Patrick. Oh, and Patrick. Oh. I got no first Oh, well... <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, he did get here first. I'm, I'm actually awake for once. So yeah, so, for those of you uh, long-time listeners of the podcast, we've we've kind of been ships in the night passing Noah recently, mm-hmm. but now today we've pulled up in the port, and I can't really think of any more nautical analogies <laughs> or metaphors. <laughs> Found one saucy sailor. Um. Oh God! Uh, shoot. So. Today we're going to discuss being an active player at the table. So being an active, like, I guess we're, we're taking a moment to step onto the other side of the GM screen because we, we usually spend a lot of time behind it and yeah. being on the other side to for some, some player advice. So like an active player, somebody who pays attention, who is like involved in the plot, what kind of, what kind of stuff do we have to go for there? So... Well, perhaps we should go ahead and jump into... Yeah, um, so we could sort of talk about you know what it means to actively engage with the, the game, and, and you're sort of getting into, at this point, one of the, the interesting things about tabletop gaming is that it's this interactive medium, but that sort of relies on everyone interacting. You know, if you have someone who is sat there and, and is kind of dead fishing it, just like... You can, again, sort of get into different types of fun, and there are people who are there for abnegation, just like, well, hang out with their friends and roll dice and watch numbers and, and mm-hmm. don't engage in the same way. That can be a frustrating play experience. Yeah. But, you know, at, at the same time, one of the things I want to sort of get into is, in some of my experiences with, like, times I've been a player and realized I've not been engaging with it, um, has been because of this interaction between the player and the GM, not really entirely lying up on, on, on one side. Uh, so just to give you this, this example, we were playing a Fading Suns campaign, which is this Dune-esque uh, space fantasy. You know, you've got faster than light travel, but also archaic noble houses in space kind of game. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of 40k-ish. And so the GM came to us and said, like, okay, here's my premise you guys will be a member of a noble house and their retinue, and we're going to be sort of hopping from world to world, so build your character sort of around that. So someone play the noble, someone play people who support the noble. And I was like, okay, um, I will make the pilot, because this is a world-hopping campaign, you've, you've said, and you need a transport, and they'll have their own ship. Uh, and so I made someone who was really good at flying. Who was really good at flying, you know, that was their, that was their primary skill, and they could sort of do other things. Uh, and then that campaign ended up being entirely on one city on one planet. Well, so yeah, well, yeah, that was my primary skill not happen, happening. And I was just like, well, I'm completely disengaged for most of these scenarios because I know that the thing I can do isn't going to come up. Um, because, you know, at some point, like, he shifted focus, didn't communicate that to me, and I'm left with a character that can't, can't interact with the game even if I want to. Right. Uh, so I think, you know, we're sort of talking about active play. You know, it, it's one of these things that you can sort of break down into different areas and, and, and where that comes in. So I don't know if anyone yeah. has similar experiences. So, 
Yeah, so so we're, we're talking about different types of, like, inactivity. Or passive, I guess. Or, yeah, being kind of passive. So, I mean, like, like you're saying, like, for your character in Fading Suns, it was you made a character for a particular type of game, and then the kind of game that you ended up playing wasn't didn't fit that character, which caused inactivity, which caused you kind of, like, to not really be an active, as active of a player. As if the GM had presented to you like oh hey this is what the game is actually going to be about it's going to be like on this one particular world on um you know this one particular area and it's going to be about this one particular kind of thing it's not going to be a a big open kind of game i know i've had experiences of not being an active player where it's just mainly mainly because of the fact that we do mostly almost exclusively online games nowadays where like Mm -hmm. My computer's right here. I've got <laughs> all sorts of other things that can happen while this game is going on. Hello, Tumblr. Like, hello, Tumblr. Hello, group me. I can do this. And then, so what are you doing? Oh, huh? What? Yeah. I'm sorry. I was miles away. Oh. You know, and then the reverse side of that, too, you have the issue where, like, and the person GM in the game can't see these nonverbal cues that, well, maybe I should cut the scene. Or maybe I should try, you know, like mm-hmm. try to draw this player back in. They don't realize that I'm on Craigslist right now shopping for a blah, blah, blah or anything like that. They assume everybody's listening. And, you know, when you miss these cues, it, it could definitely derail the game and not just really cheapen your experience, but also just the overall experience. I'm not calling you a bastard if you get sidetracked. I mean, Right now, since Noah mentioned Tumblr, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm looking at these tabs in my browser longingly, if you will. <laughs> um, there's a really cute picture of me and my daughter on Facebook, and I just wonder if any of you bastards have ever thumbs up it yet. But no. Oh, I, I specifically am waiting for a thumbs down button for all of your pictures. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. it's also worth just to be fair that people can multitask and uh, pay attention different ways. I usually have my phone, like, even if I'm um, at a table game, I'm usually on my phone, uh, just playing, like, match three style games just to have something to do with my hands, because otherwise I'll be stacking dice or whatever, and I'm actively paying attention, I'm listening, uh, and that's sort of how I'm paying attention, and it's not, you know, taking up any brain space to match moving colors, it's just so that, you know, I'm not staring at a wall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that that sort of ADHD, just having having to do something with your hands to be able to actually keep focus. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, a few months back, my wife uh, surprised me with a fidget spinner. You millennial! As she was handing it to me, she said, "Now you can stop fucking with my stuff <laughs> and eat your goddamn avocado toast or whatever the hell it is." <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's exactly what those things are designed to do, despite yeah. the, the popular consensus. Yeah. I mean, I've got a fidget cube and all sorts of, like, things on my desk in front of me that I could be playing with right now. In fact, I'm messing with a bit of Velcro from work. So, so oh, yeah. Work, work Velcro is the best Velcro, Noah. <laughs> it's free Velcro is what it is, so therefore. So, yeah, so I think, like, oh, there's Speaking there's of work this, and fidget spinners. Sorry, speaking of work and fidget spinners, I got a work fidget spinner. God, God. Like, my job gave me a fucking fidget spinner. God, I hate you so much. I work for fucking startup culture now, guys. 
Did you know, notice Noah that Chris was being a passive listener on you just now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I trying to act like uh, to be the problem? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah, going to Facebook. Not playing. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. She got that, by the way. I'm just being. I mean, it explains that mustache that you had last month. So, you know. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Please don't bring it up. <laughs> All right. So, so, so we've done a whole lot of kind of picking out some causes of it and there's there's tons more uh is there any any other like possible instances you can you can think of if this occurring at a table i'll give an example here um i think that i become disengaged as a player when i'm constantly or or at least the game is constantly being interrupted by a player who is overly engaged i guess you could say or you know, there's just constantly, even if they're not in the scene, they got some kind of like comment or snarky thing, thing to add to it. And that just, that, that's something I always had problems with, with yeah. this. It's kind of hard yeah. to filter out. No, Is this why we don't play in games anymore, Adam? Huh? Is this why we don't play in games anymore? Am I the problem? Oh, no, 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 no. Are you no. breaking up with me? No, 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 no. I just, I just think we should take time away from each other. Just so, like, I'm trying to think of ever bullshit breakup. I liked it better when we were friends, Chris. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, uh, Patrick, you were going to say something. No, I was saying I, I've definitely had a similar experience. My uh, my regular group, the guys who I don't record with. Um, let's see. At the start of our Red Kids campaign, which would be a month and a half ago, maybe two two months. Uh, we just had to eventually just draw a line under this guy and say, like, we're not getting on with you. I'm completely, like, through throughout the previous campaign we were in, every time you were just rumbling about, like, he was sort of engaging, but on minutiae that was just completely diverting and, you know, shooting so, down every plan. And, and so he was, he was um, really negative presence on the game. We were just like, we just can't game with you. Sorry, can I drive it past? We just can't game with you because you are just engaging and not engaging yeah so like he was being like an extremely nitpicky kind of rules lawyer like picking apart people's ideas and stuff like that yeah yeah i think um kind of to tag on to what you were saying there's like those kind of people that they they kind of hog the spotlight which can kind of cause other people to not become engaged because their characters are are not getting as much screen time as they might like yeah, we all um, want to be doing the cool thing. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, you should be able to spotlight as a GM. You should be able to spotlight characters, but you've got to know when to like kind of cut those off and to like for players that are always trying to grab that spotlight. You got to know like when to say, okay, but let's see what this guy wants to do, or like, hey, how about you and this other player go and do this thing so we can kind of spotlight you together and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's something it also, we should also also go ahead. Yeah, it also helps to talk to the player themselves because, like, I have a problem with trying to hog the spotlight when mm-hmm. I'm in a game or anything like that. I'll always have something stupid to say because, sure, like, um, remember the um, Allmark game? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That wasn't a great game, but to say that's a problem. So I, I mm-hmm. try to do my best to kind of back out. Yeah, I think it is something that we have to sort of be doubly aware of, us specifically because. Our recordings are going out there, so we're not just gaming. We're also kind of content creators, kind of performers. Mm-hmm. So you know, you don't want you go. You know, you go and see a play. You don't want 
um, the Greek chorus following everyone around constantly, like in that one uh, uh, version of the plays the thing. Yeah. yeah, you know you don't want you don't want the bitchy sniping while you're trying to watch uh, Romeo and Juliet die horribly. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Don't want the jury behind every scene, but like I'm telling you, it's a bad thing. No. Yeah, yeah. I think with like like you're saying with the kind of format that we do, having a bunch of people all talk at one time is just chaos on the ears and not only does it make a bad experience for players and activity at the the virtual table but it makes a bad experience for our listeners so yeah but you know i think what is start to start this conversation happening here it seems like we're we've hit on a real important part despite the fact that we're critiquing this type of behavior i mean we're all guilty of it we're all human mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's hard to you know, separate the ego or maybe we're coming into these situations from this is our Sunday that we sit down and we got our friends and you know what? I want to play a game and I also want to bullshit some. And, you know, I was trying to find a healthy balance and let me give you a hint. The bullshit, a comment or two here and there is fine. Otherwise, why don't we take a break and just, you know, you know, shoot the breeze for a moment just to get all this out in the air. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I know when I had a a local home group, like when we were having a game night, like people would show up before the game and we'd be able to get to talk and chat and like talk about like, you know, stuff that's been in the news, things we're excited for before the game. It's like people were arriving and then like after the game, we'd have a little time to like, you know, come down off of the game, chat a bit more, stuff like that. And then like in the game, there wasn't as much like outside topics kind of talk about there would still be you know like snarky comments and stuff like that that could take people out of the game sure but like trying to have like a full-on conversation while the game is happening wasn't as big of a problem yeah so chris how do we how, do, how can i tell if somehow my lack of uh engagement in a game is interfering with your experience like what are you what's what's your ticks that i should be able to pick up on or should watch for sorry, in the what? future sorry what <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, How many times are we going to do that joke this episode? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely not doing that anymore. Um, <laughs> huh? What joke? Hey, oh. <laughs> Waka waka. I'm not going to lie. I get annoyed, and it can be pretty obvious when I'm annoyed. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll usually, I'll, I'll usually, like, if you're doing something to bother me in-game, if you're not engaged enough, I'll probably just talk to you privately because uh, I, I want everyone to have fun, and if you're not engaged, you're not having fun. Right. What about yourself, Noah? Uh, what was the actual question? Just because like I don't remember exactly how it was phrased. Okay. As a player, what are some of the things that you do when that I should like be aware of? I guess you could say, if my rambling incoherentness in p- playing is disengaging you from the game. I, I just kind of get quiet because I'll go and start doing other things. So I guess if you start hearing like my keyboard or my mouse click a lot... I'm probably like going through like my social media or whatever. Like it's, it's like from a, from like, like a fellow player kind of standpoint from a, like a GM standpoint. I don't think I've really had an issue with like somebody not engaging that I, well, I probably have, but it's not like something I really pay too much attention to. Like I'll try and like, Say, like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Like, when I'm running a game. Yeah. 
So I'm always trying to pull people into like what they're trying to do. Like I'll try and go around the table as much as I can and, and pull people in. So which yourself, yeah. Patrick. Um, I mean, I'm very British. So if I'm disengaging, I'm, I'm quiet and I'm sort of, or, or often if I'm also annoyed at someone else who is doing these things, I'll, I will go very quiet rather than like kick up a fuss. Uh, if someone is, you know, making a lot of riddles, I, I won't, I, I might try and passively redirect to the, uh, or, or politely rather, uh, redirect to sort of the main thrust of the game, but I won't kick him up first, and I'll, I'll generally get quiet. If, if yeah. I'm running, um, I'm and I notice someone is being very quiet. I would probably tell you that as I'm doing something wrong. You know, sort of the, the the ideal game would be one in which everyone is engaged because they want to be engaged, so they are engaging. And if I'm as a GM not engaging somehow, you know, um, so yeah, it, it would be something like. Um, Trying to improv something that confronts their character directly, just to in the in the short term draw them in, and then long term reconsider when I'm sort of planning the next scenario. Yeah. Am I putting enough things in there that give gives their character something to do? You know, if if I'm worried that the character who is let's I don't know, say for example, team doctor, oh. uh, if I'm worried that the team doctor's player is is just sort of checked out on their phone quite a bit, uh, I might throw more. Um, you know, mysterious illnesses in next time or people in, in need of help uh, so that he has a chance to be a team doctor and, and, you know, see if that brings them around a bit. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, if, you know, if that doesn't work, who knows? Wow. Uh, as you say, play communication, talk to them, see what hmm. happens. You guys are making I just, me feel worse about being a human being because I just fucking just start being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just about to say another thing I do as a player if I think someone's not engaged is that I start needling them in character. Like I, I think, and this is one of, one of these defining moments of something we never recorded or something like that. But you know, if it if it gets delayed and gets delayed and gets delayed, then like all of a sudden my character becomes quite disposable. And I just start running, rushing, and dragging everybody headlong into darkness. Like mm-hmm. I was playing a game of unknown armies, not unknown armies, but uh, fuck, base raiders for Chris, and everybody was arguing cut the characters that already had a pre-established relationship. And I just this is one of the beginning games, I guess you could say. I was playing with Chris, and they're all just sitting there fucking around, and I'm just like, you know what, fuck it. So I went and got in a fight with a woman and bit her throat out with my teeth. So, I mean, that's what I rationally do. <laughs> this, this, okay, does this explain in our unpublished Knights Black Agents game why you were throwing USB sticks over a fence? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just me being a dumbass right there. Okay. <laughs> I remember even thinking in and out of character, that's stupid. <laughs> It was like, I, on a sad rate, I'm not going to defend that right now, but it was just a dumbass thing. We'll call it what it is. So, okay. back, getting back on the on the, the point train, woot woot, here we go. So, we kind of got a, kind of a base work here. So, tips for, you know, player-wise, I know we keep kind of flirting with the GM side. Hey there, big boy. But, well. It's a muddy fine screen you got there. <laughs> You know what? Hey there, GM. Do you need a girlfriend? That fucking you unknown army screen is really nice. I kicked myself in the ass for not backing at the level to get the screen. Did you back at that level, Noah? I did, because it's a slipcase and a screen. Aww. If there's one I mean, thing... technically, Adam, technically you did back at that level. I did, but like I backed for you. Just... 
it was at or by the necklace that each one of us had a part of the heart. But like, <laughs> that just seems so, tips for tips for passive police. <laughs> yeah, please thank you. <laughs> Save us. We both have to, we both have the necklace that says best friends, except we yeah. both just got the best um, part. <laughs> oh God! Base material level, um, obviously, like. If you're, you know, tired and sleepy and your blood sugar's low, you're not focusing, so, you know, keep hydrated, keep snacks at the table, uh, just so your energy's up. If you've got energy, you focus, there's a reason the stereotype is the nerd chugging energy drinks and eating, you know, empty calories. That gives you energy with which to focus. And again, sorry, a street cleaner. Um, if your friend, if you uh, are gaming with cool people, actually helps a little bit. But that's that is you allows it. You also want to like moderation. You don't want to get <laughs> drunk as a skunk at the table. You don't want to get blackout. <laughs> yeah, no. Also, Patrick has just brought up something that I've never really thought about. The stereotype in America is Mountain Dew and like Doritos. Is there like a stereotypical like British gaming snack? Uh, full English, full second, English breakfast. Okay, he's pretty sure it's the full English breakfast. That's, that's too much. Uh, sorry, just going first. Uh, a, How about in Kentucky? A lot of, a lot of gaming takes place in um, student bars and uh, pubs, so it's usually like a pint of bitter and then a cheap crisps. So um, Monster Munch, not not Rollers, not Polos, Hula Hoops, which are little um, hoop shaped crisps that you can then put on your fingers and pretend to be like a witch. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I just when lo- I was gaming a lot at uni, I would eat apples. I'd, I'd bring a couple of apples to the table because uh, vitamin C and sugar, and it kept me energized, and it was healthy. Huh. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, I, I learned something tonight. Uh, I just smoked. That's what I would do if I could. Like my first games with Chris, and you, like even some of the ones I played with you know, I was still smoking cigarettes. And I was just like, of course, I had my computer by my back door. I just like doop doo, sat outside and just smoke a cigarette and play a game. <laughs> remember watching you doing that on video. <laughs> so I think it was just um, the saddest thing. So I think another kind of um, part to kind of go along with that, like the whole snacking and drinking and stuff like that is like, you know, if your game is, if you, especially if you're like one of those people that does like super, super long, like six hour games or something like that, you've got to like take breaks and stuff. So like, taking a break to actually go get like a meal or, you know, like just to like eat a bunch of snacks or whatever like that in the middle of your game can help with like player retention and, and activity because they're not like, Oh man, I'm so hungry. When's the food going to get here? That kind of thing. Like they can, yeah. you can kind of take a break, put, get something to eat and then come back to the game. I was going to say active, you know, active listening and participation, you know, it, I mean, you, you sat on the table, but it is active, you know, it is, Mm-hmm. You you know it, it, it's active in the same way that like studying or taking a test is is still active and tiring and, and focusing and yeah and, and doing that straight for six hours even you know with fun people mm-hmm. yeah you, you do need to every so often blow off some steam and, and unwind you know maybe that's why some people are you know they, they will be making those irrelevant jokes and go on a 
20 minute diatribe about Battlestar Galactica or something. And that's yeah. they're sort of blowing off steam and, and focusing on something else for a bit and then coming back to the game. Yeah. There was, if you go listen to one of my older shows, Fistful of Misanthropes, there's a Call of Cthulhu game, which was like my first Call of Cthulhu thing. But we did it on Halloween and it was like from like just before sundown through the night, like long game. And we stopped at one point to go watch the premiere of The Walking Dead and then come back to the game to play some more. Like, we took like an hour break to go watch the first episode of the show and it was very good. And then the show went to shit after that. That's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) But then we came back and we played some more and it was great. Oh, this is a this is a diversion. I, know, I do apologize, but I've been watching Z Nation, which is the sci-fi original, uh, oh. not Walking Dead, and yep. it is schlocky as fuck, and I love it. It is nice. Just trash. Nice, nice. You know, scheduled breaks like you were talking about that cuts out on the, and we've all done it. I did it to you Saturday, no, you didn't know it. Like, hey, oh, somebody else is tired. Time to go to the bathroom. Boop, 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 boop. Hope it didn't go. Hey, Adam, See, what are you doing? But yeah, I mean, the good thing about that scenario is that the fact that you, like everybody was kind of separate from each other for the most part. So yeah. like your character could kind of like disappear for a couple scenes and then we come back to you as you're being melted by the thing. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so what else? What else are we? Well, I, uh, I tell you what it reminds me of when I teach, I only teach like I, I got an hour and a half classes. So I got a block schedule is what they call it over here. And, you know, dude, I can't get in front of somebody and just talk nonstop and expect them to listen. I may got, I may got a good 10 minutes, 15 minutes of somebody being able to follow me. And then, you know, people start tuning out. Now, the tabletop is a very unique setting. I think that by the most part, I can listen to the story unfold with varying levels of participation and, you know, still be following along more so than if I was listening to a lecture. Now, with that being said, and I, I started noticing this at Gen Con and also during that Detwiller game we were in. I really think what helps me is if I take notes, like actively just start listening for like keywords and stuff like that. Now, try not to be too meta. If, you know, shit comes up in a scene that I'm not involved in, I don't want to like, you know, miraculously have this information. But even engaging in some degree of note taking, it just encourages me just to at least follow along more not just when i'm playing but whenever your scene's taking place so that's something i've kind of noticed i've done before or like it'll be a scene with like a character or characters off doing their own thing and then they have to come back and tell my character that thing and during their scene i actually zone the hell out so then the players actually have to tell me what just happened which (laughs) i think from a role-playing aspect could be potentially benefiting like the situation, but at the same time, it can slow things down. <laughs> yeah. You miss so many details and stuff. And like, man, like when I play a, a fucking telltale video game, I have like, I go through every damn path. Like I'm like that completionist. Like, well, I wonder what if I'm wrong to Mr. Frog on Wolf Among Us kind of stuff like that. So I keep wanting to go over stuff. And like, that's what kills me with these RPG games. Like when I, we talk about the scenario after it's over and stuff like that, like some blatantly obvious clue that was presented to me that I was just sitting there off in my happy place and I missed it and stuff like that. So it's just, uh, that's kind of my thing. Chris? When I do stuff like this, I tend to think of games from a narrative standpoint. So when other scenes are going on, I'm trying to break the scene down and figure out what 
like what's going to happen next based off of narrative beats. Okay. It's kind of a weird thought process, but it's just kind of how my writer brain works. No, I, I think it, that's excellent, really. Don't Can you further kind of, elaborate? Let me put it this way. So, Patrick, hey. I'm thinking about the Red Markets game you ran a while back, uh, Their yeah. Billion Hands. Yeah. Like, I wasn't familiar with the uh, short story that you based it on, mm-hmm. but I could kind of see where it was going. Sure. So I was like, I was looking for notes that it would like play off of. Like, okay, so we have these two zombies staring at each other. Obviously, someone is affecting it. Who could it be? So I just constantly looked for more and more uh, things like that. Me engaged when it's not my scene. Okay. okay. Hmm. Anything else, guys? Um. Hmm. One thing I find more as a GM uh, kind of thing, uh, if you want people to engage, it helps if they're invested. Like, if, if you um, go away as the GM, write your 50-page Bible of your fantasy homebrew world with this pantheon, and it's, like, completely you, and you know know all these intricate politics, and it's great, and it's, it's living in your head, and then... The first time the players get that is when you sit down at the table and you thump the Bible down and go, we're going to play. Uh, you're just sort of inflicting the world upon them. And one of the things I kind of like about Red Market is how it gets the players involved, like day one, so to speak, in basically everything. Um, like the world around them and what matters there and what the conflicts are. Like Players are invested in every step of that, so they are invested in every conflict that goes on, every NPC, maybe they've created that NPC. And so they're more likely to sort of go, oh, what if this guy I came up with can help? You know, rather than just sort of seeing Bang going, well, the, the NPC is going to come along. And I was like, well, no, that's my guy. I made him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think involving players in the creative process is uh, a key way, because creativity, it can be draining, but it can also be very engaging. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, um... I know, like, there's a lot of systems now that do stuff like that, like, Dresden jumps to mind. Yeah, uh, with, like, locations. Exactly, with yeah. And significance. Yeah, so, there have been more and more, like, games that are taking that thing and making it a part of the actual mechanics of the game, and that's, you know, and just doing that in any game can definitely help, like, even if it's something small, like, having your players describe something, or, like, players go looking for like a certain NPC and like, you know, okay, well, what's their name? Tell me, you, you name them and tell me like something about them, that kind of thing. Is, is this in response to whenever I can actually tell, and I'm as guilty of this as the next motherfucker, Chris actually called me out on it on that, uh, lover in the ice game I posted <laughs> in the month of November. But when I can tell like that you are reading from a script and this and that and other, it's just like, even like that cadence that goes into a game master's voice, like that mm-hmm. just, Immediately, just kind of deflates me. I guess to oh, yeah. agree. That draws me out. Like if if I hear that in anyone's voice, I uh, assume they didn't do their homework. Yeah, like if if you're given any sort of like scripted dialogue in a scenario, like you've got to kind of go over it once and like make it your own. Like yeah. even like you can either completely rewrite it or just kind of ad lib something or just kind of like you know do that like middle school plagiarism where you just change a few words and, 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 you know, put some emphasis and, and feeling into like the performance to kind of make it a thing and not just you know, like recite what you've been given. So, yeah. Good point. Um, 
one more trick I, I find helpful when trying to engage um, uh, players and, and break down that barrier between GM and, and um, player to encourage creativity and uh, shared narrative. I use filmic language a lot in my games, so I will like, explicitly frame campaigns like this is a TV show that we're all making. Like, who are we casting this guy as? Or I'll talk about things like the camera's view panning up, because that, that's something that everyone knows. Because everyone watches TV, everyone watches movies. They might not know like the technical phrasing of it. But if we go like, okay, how are we establishing this character's entrance? Is this like the femme fatale show she like walks into the PI and it's like sweeping up the long legs? Or is this like she smashes through the window to establish that she's this action character? Um, like if you if you talk in terms of if you talk in terms of movies, like everyone gets movies, everyone gets film, uh, and then like everyone has that fantasy of being a filmmaker. So if if you sort of phrase it that way, I find people engage a lot better. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I laughed. I just had the like the image of like the classic noir like private detective with like the Venetian blinds and then like the femme fatale just comes crashing through like the plate glass door and does like <laughs> a tuck and roll. How interested would you be in what she had to say next? Like Jesus. Yeah, like it's it's very like Devil May Cry one where Trish <laughs> yes. comes riding in on like a motorcycle, just trashes your office and Dante's like, cool. Well <laughs> Did you bring pizza? Like Did you... <laughs> Oh Lord. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, do you even use some language, Patrick, like a jump cut? Oh, all the time. Like, yeah, if you talk about, like, setting stuff up in, like, vignettes, been like, you know, this line, and then, like, smash cut to this, to set up, like, a punchline. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing could ever possibly go wrong. Smash cut to the building is on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, um, like, um, you know, we want to establish that the mood is creepy, so we'll talk about, like, how everything's on a Dutch angle, which is when the camera's on, like, 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love movies, and I'm more than everyone knows the, the lexicon of it. Like, I don't know completely the lexicon. I'm not a, like a trained filmographer, but enough people get what you're talking about if you talk about it in terms of like camera shots and sudden edits. This, that... this is interesting to me because when I when I do stuff like this, I usually think in the terms of like interpersonal conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I try to think of ways to get to play the active. Like the disengaged player against another one of the more active players. Because to me, nothing nothing creates more activity and more like interest than sure. Yeah, narrative is complex and all that. We're um, definitely gonna have to play drama system sometime soon, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So real quick, kind of going back to what Patrick was talking about, I definitely think like what you were saying, like if it's supposed to be creepy, it has like this kind of Dutch angle kind of description to it. And I think that could definitely be interesting with like, say like if you're doing a star Wars or like a space opera kind of game where you have like the screen transition, the screen wipes kind of moves and everything like that. That's one of the things I love about campaign, that podcast, like they are very much aware of like um, Lucas's language of film. Mm -hmm. Lucas fucking loves wipes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And scene transition. So, like, they they work that in to make it seem like Star Wars. Like, this is a star wipe. This is a yeah. transition of going onto someone's datapad, and that becomes a star map, or something. <laughs> yeah. And there's stuff in like horror games where, like, if the scene is starting to get tense, you cut away, and then cut back, and stuff's like gone to hell, that kind of thing. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, the the one character is going to go open the chest, and then you just jump over to a different character. 
in like a different scene to have them do something to kind of keep that tension on the player, like opening the chest kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I think yeah, that sounds really good. So let's go ahead for those of the, those great listeners um, listening at home. That's why they're listeners. Chris, just wanting to point that out. Wait, why did I you have ramble. to point this out to me? Because <laughs> <laughs> you were on your phone. The people have ears. <laughs> I mean, I I am a millennial, so I am constantly on my phone and disengaged. <laughs> but all right, do you got your work fidget spinner in your hand? Do uh, you I'm... have your work fidget spinner in your hand? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. So big points. I just want to drive home again, just because, Hey, if you weren't paying attention, then we just made a millennial joke. So you're on board now. Yay. Um, <laughs> big thing that I recommend just for me, and we'll go around the table for to have some best points. I, you know, I really think actively note taking, or at least having a notepad there, by the way, it would help you. If you told me how to spell your fucking characters names before I start butchering it and just say, fuck it. And just leave like three or four words written on a pad. That happens too. Noah? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, you son of a bitch. Like, like little I, I zoned out for a second. Oh, I did talk quick. <laughs> I did talk quick because I found that I added this. I slowly turned into William Shatner and Nicolas Cage if I don't just speak everything at one time. And it's kind of, and then, uh huh, uh huh. Noah? Damn it, he did it to me again. I still don't know what the question is. Oh, I'm sorry. I just rattled. What's your takeaway from this? Yeah, your takeaway. Oh, my takeaway. Okay. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to you. I'm the bastard. Yeah, like, uh, so my, I mean, I guess my takeaway is just, you know, want to pay more attention. (laughs) And, (laughs) And, you know, just making sure that everybody is, like, being engaged by engaging them with the scenario, like, with whatever it is you're trying to do, ensuring that, like, what you intend for your game everybody else understands that, especially before you get too deep into the game. Like, you know, saying, I want to do this kind of this game and this system with this kind of, like, theme, and these are the kind of characters that we're looking for, that kind of thing. Just to make sure that everybody is is on the same page. Okay. Patrick, don't make me embarrass myself by (laughs) rattling again. Yeah, no. Um, I think the advice is slightly different from a player to a GM, but... uh... It was sort of making that middle ground, like, yeah, try, try and make sure everyone's engaged. Um, ask interesting questions on both sides of the table. So not just, like, and what do I see? Like, what's he like? But if you're, like, the GM, be like, how has this character wronged you? Um, or, or stuff like that. Or who is just the worst in this town? Um, yeah, uh, ask interesting questions. And as, as a player, just... Try and keep yourself set up for focus. Obviously, you would know better than anyone what works for you, what keeps you in a zone, what avoids you, uh, what avoids you. And that's not that's not how to say that. What prevents you from um, going off on one? So, like, if you think you can get by on four hours sleep and and work, sure, do it. But I can't. I need to sleep. Um, I need to stay relatively ensugared, so I need to do that when I'm playing. And finally, Chris. PvP. PvP. (laughs) 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 Poor gasoline on the table. Like, actually deciding to engage with a specific character and for the night, that really does engage other people, and it keeps me from my more destructive habits. 
Yeah. Uh, when I'm bored and gaming. <laughs> I did think of something else uh, to kind of tag along with Patrick's point. Uh, like, don't go into a game if you're, like, falling asleep. Like, unless it's, like, a one, like, a chance in a lifetime kind of game, like, our Gen Con scenario with Dennis Detwiller. Oh, like, yeah. And Ross Payton. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And Ross and Shane and a bunch of the Arcane people, like, be very careful about going into a game tired. Like, yeah. I very much enjoyed that game, but there were definitely times where I, I, I knew my head, like, drooped for a second. One of those, like... Yeah, it was like 1am, we'd all been drinking, and then I said, I was like, okay, let's have this really, like, investigation-heavy yeah, like it was, based game. It's like, hmm, that maybe wasn't a great choice. Yeah, it was a great game and everything, but yeah, it was yeah. not the kind of game you want on, like, the Saturday night of Gen Con after, like, the buck-wild weekend <laughs> that's been going on, so... Yeah, it was like blacking out at a concert. <laughs> the, it was like a lot of stuff going on. It was cool. The the, the Buck Wild Gaming Convention full of nerds. <laughs> Every con is an orgy at some point. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Nerds are thirsty, that's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> we so in that, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about? Or are we going to move into anecdotes now? Let's, let's, let's jump on into anecdotes here. Um okay. I'm going to throw mine out first. Just like I got two of them. I'll give you the first mm-hmm. one now. So, man, I always, I've been looking for games, video games that have a strong female character. So I went out and bought a game that I can't play around my daughter until she's probably 12. But, um, I've been playing Hellblade, which. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that Sasuna's Sacrifice? Yes. And it's, it's, dude, it's, it's beautiful. It is. A, a work of art, like just the way it's designed. You would think. So let me let me go back and preface this just a tad bit. So in this game, you're playing this young woman who is essentially traveling into Viking Hell, which I can't remember what it's called. Hell. It, it's called Hell with one L. Ah. What was Helheim? Helheim and is also a thing. Helheim basically place. So. You're going out to save your dead lover's soul, and like you even carry his severed head and a bag at your waist. And and here's the thing: it's just so beautiful about it. And if you get a chance to check it out, really do because it, it it's if you're looking for Tomb Raider and action and all that, you're not really going to find it. It's more or less kind of uh, there are some action sequences, but uh, a big part of the energy is spent on puzzles and just atmospheric stuff you are playing and this is beautiful and dude for all the negative shit that we see in this world it's there's a rays of hope and this is one of them this woman suffers from a mental illness and it's unique how they do this so i assume and if i'm using incorrect terminology it is out of ignorance and not out of disrespect but I believe this woman is schizophrenic and she has many audible hallucinations, like voices in her head and stuff like that, which like mechanically speaking, the voices are also the narrator and also like a guide for you as you go out the game. But it's just, you know, they're, they're not treating it's handled with respect and care and, and dignity. Uh, you know, you know, this woman suffers from this illness and they're not treating her like 
it's not a disrespectful as far as, you know, someone who doesn't suffer from mental illness can say it doesn't seem disrespectful. It seems, you know, enlightening. They're, they're not making it like a, a major like weakness to her character. And I know the game is designed and meant to be played with like a headset on. Yeah. Cause they use, um, binaural audio. So it's, it's, you know, it's basically a fancy kind of stereo sound, but it, it gives you like a, a sort of synthesized surround sound. And like these voices come at you in the headset from all these different places and they either can kind of help or hurt you. And they, they narrate and all this other stuff. And it's, it's, I, I've seen some videos and stuff like that on it. And it's, it's, it seems really, really interesting. It definitely seems like one of yeah. um, Ninja Theory's like better games. If you if you guys get a chance, if it pops up on the Steam sale, if they have another one before you know the end of the year, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's selling for about thirty bucks. Uh, it's you know it's it's, it's kind of scary, I guess you say for if you had a five year old daughter. So I haven't been playing it around her, despite as much as I would love to show her that. But you know it's it's really cool. You should check it out and. If if nothing else, if you're listening to this, which that's my fucking dumbest thing I said tonight. If you're listening to this, because <laughs> if you're not, then you're not hearing this. Yeah, but uh, watching this, which is worse. Yeah, they started a, like a very static. I mean, at least we still get the the download count, right? Hey man, don't judge people with synesthesia. They might be tasting this. It could, it could be. Hey, to- I've played Res. That's a. <laughs> Go go to um, the Steam page for uh, Hellblade, and the company has put together quite a few, by or two three, little trailers that is just based on user feedback. And a lot of these people suffer from mental illness and depression, and it's just seeing these people's quotes placed to music and images from the game, where like for example, one woman was saying that her brother. Like was always judging her for all of, like the, her, the problems she has, and after playing this game, her brother went up to her, to her and apologized for being a dick for treating her mental illness so trivially. Like so, you know, if you don't do anything else, you're curious about it. Just look at it, check out the trailer, the impact it's had on people, and you know, give it a give it a whirl. It's definitely worth thirty bucks and your time, and. Who's next up to bat? Uh, I can go next. Um, if I'm if I'm a little groggy, it's because I only just today got back from London. Uh, I'm on the other side of the country. For, for, for American listeners, I'm not in London. There are parts of England that aren't London so far. What? Wait, I've been blind to popular media. There are other parts of England that aren't London? Yeah, the, 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 the metastasis... What is it? The met- metastasizing? Yes. What? The uh, the cancerous city has uh, has not yet reached the uh, the holy north. But, but, but what did China Miebel say? Isn't London the best city? Well, that's one of the things I I kind of gripe about whenever it's like English media that gets international is always about like sucking London's dick, yeah. like rivers of London, or like eighty percent of Constantine is all about how London is literal magic and everywhere else is bullshit. Anyway. But yeah, I was down there for Dragon Meat, which was around, I think, Hammersmith in London. Uh, so obviously, last card I went to was Gen Con. Not quite as big. But it was a good time. Um, got a couple of games in. Oh, 
had a game of Call of Cthulhu with uh, Matthew Sanderson from Chaosium as the oh, GM, yeah. which was really good. It was called Dissociation, which is, um, I won't get into spoilers, I don't know if they're planning on publishing it, but it, it starts with you are all on the same flight, flying from San Diego to Seattle, so going basically north up the west coast of America, mm-hmm. like just regular people. And then shit goes really weird, because obviously. Uh, but no, it was, it was a, that was a good game, and then the other game was... Um, I just, I just signed up to Starfinder uh, just so I could have a, an active play experience to learn it, because it looks interesting. Uh, and then the team was like, what if Starfinder, but also 40k? And I was like, no. Mm. <laughs> it was, was alright. Never mind. <laughs> we learned the, um, the Starfinder like, dog, like spaceship dogfighting mechanics by fighting um, Battlefleet Gothic minis. So that was okay. That sounds pretty neat. Yeah, it was literally like because um, the Starfleet setting has the Starfinder setting has a warp hyperdrive equivalent called the Drift. It was like, what if a out of the Drift pops this thing from the 40k universe, one of those ludicrous cathedral battleships, and your job is to go on there and investigate? Okay, yeah, it was, it was annoying. Again. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was cool to sort of meet up and catch up with some of the the UK uh, podcasters. So um, how we roll was there. They're really good. They're based out of Manchester, which isn't far from uh, Leeds. I mean, they've got like uh, some of them from Ireland and what, but the sort of the core of them is in Manchester. Will from Encounter Roleplay, I think he's in Essex. Was was there? And he does the. I think it's uh, shit. I should have looked this up. I think it's called Wonder Quest. As a podcast, they, 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 he primarily is a live streamer hmm. for Encounter Roleplay, but they, he, he has started putting together podcasts to put out as well. Uh, both really well produced, so that's cool. And I've got kind of a swag bag of uh, basically everything that they had with Cthulhu in the name, because um, <laughs> Chaosium and Cubicle 7 were both there, and Cubicle 7 had... This was the day before Cubicle 7 announced... Or Chaosium announced that the Cubicle 7 license was expiring. Uh, so Cubicle 7 was like, we're just offloading all our Cthulhu stock at this discount. It's like, okay, yes, please, thump, and just yeah. slid everything into my bag. <laughs> so I ended up with all the laundry expansions. I would have the core book. So that's Mythos Dossier, God Game Black, um, Unconventional Diplomacy, and I forget the fourth one. But the thing was just a scenario book. I got a couple of classic Call of Cthulhu books. One was a Cthulhu Atomic Age, because I'm still looking at 50 scenarios for the Korean War and Arkham Now. I also picked up from Pelgrane, because um, Pelgrane shipped out Kenneth Height for some reason. Uh, I think... I think him and uh, Robin D. Laws usually go to Dragon Meet. Yeah, and Uh, I... I think the game was Simon and Cat afterwards. It's kind of a yearly yeah. thing they do, uh, and it's just it's it's not a, it's not a huge con, which is why I was kind of surprised they went to the expense to fly him out. I mean, obviously there wasn't business classes, but I, but I also picked up Cthulhu City, which is a setting book for Trail of Cthulhu that uh, flips the typical Lovecraft uh, conceits on its head. In that, like instead of this obscure, distant. Menace. The mythos is like really 
quotidian and everyday in all parts of the city. Like, it's really obviously that something's wrong, something's wrong, and you are like the few normal people who see that something's wrong with the city, uh, and you are this like sort of cult of normalcy as a result. So it looks really interesting. I'm still reading so, through it. All the scenarios tied together, or could be like a campaign. There's if you will. only one scenario in it. Um, it's mostly like setting information for um, Arkham City. Uh, or Great Arkham, rather, which so it has like the different districts, and then it sort of does the Armitage Files thing. Of here's a bunch of set pieces that can be interpreted and run different ways. So a bunch of named NPCs and unnamed NPCs, and each of them have three different modes. Whether they are a victim of the mythos, if they are sinister and engaged in the mythos, or if they are a stalwart opponent of the mythos. So anyone, if if you if I you know was running a game of this and I said oh and then you meet uh, Bob Jones you're like ah I know Bob Jones from the book I don't know which Bob Jones it is shit uh, <laughs> he yeah. might be a vampire he might be my best friend I don't know hmm. that definitely sounds interesting that's cool uh, shoot Chris or no I can't remember I think it was me that started off so uh, yeah. I can unless you didn't have anything else did you have Patrick. No, I'm good. I'll talk to the microphone. Okay. All right. Uh, so I have been playing uh, Evil Within 2 lately. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is, like, a pretty damn good game. Like, it's a it's a horror action game uh, in the line of, like, the later Resident Evils. Um, and, like, Evil Within 1. But Evil Within 1 isn't the best game out there. It's, uh... It, it's really kind of like confusing and doesn't quite live up to its own hype. But Evil Within 2 has been like a massive improvement in my eyes. And it's got sort of like a mix and match of these sort of open world segments with like kind of more traditional level based kind of things. So like when you first start the game, you're put back into like STEM, which is like this mindscape kind of place. And you're put into like this kind of idyllic town that has been like shattered by whatever is going on, whatever the big mystery is. And you're given like this big open space to kind of go and explore and like kind of track down clues to find like your missing daughter. And then you'll move into sections that are like underground that interconnect like these different like giant floating parts of this town that are like pretty much just straightforward, like level kind of designs. And then you'll move to like a, uh, like a movie theater that as you move through it, like the, the, um, like the architecture of it is constantly like shifting around you. Like you'll walk forward and you'll see like a painting of something. And then when you turn around the hallway that you were coming down is now like just a wall and there's like a door on the, and like that just appeared there. And like, there's a bunch of stuff like that that goes on. That's kind of like really trippy kind of like, just kind of like really trippy architecture tricks and things like that, that they use. I could definitely see uh, like using a lot of like those kind of scenes for like a like a night floors or you know some sort of like Carcosa e kind of game of of Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green or whatever. And there's also some very obvious kind of like callouts to uh, things like Twin Peaks and The Shining and stuff like that with like some of the the architecture decisions. So you'll see like the black and white like zigzag flooring with like the red carpets on the wall as you walk down like a hallway or something like that or you'll like turn in you'll end up in like a kitchen that has like the um the overlook hotel carpet as like wallpaper 
Uh, but yeah, like it's really good. It's like a really fun like horror adventure action game. I'd, I'd really recommend it. Awesome. Cool. I, I, it seems like it sells pretty cheap, right? At least around you know Christmas holiday time. Mm-hmm. So maybe something worth picking up there. Yeah. And uh, I've actually been doing a stream of it. So if anybody wants to like check out like what it actually looks like and plays like and everything, twitch.tv slash Otaku. That's K-A-M-E-N-O-T-A-K-U. We'll try if I can remember. So go ahead and drop it in a chat log for Discord right now. And I'll, I'll, I'll link it through there. Okay. Um, Chris, how about yourself, buddy? I haven't really been doing a lot of gaming, gaming-esque stuff recently. What with the new job and moving and getting a dog. Oh, God. You got a fur baby? I know you do. I'm just acting surprised. Oh, God. You got another fur baby, fur baby pretty much every day at work. I hate it. All right. But yeah, no, um, I'm just trying to reach out to people. And, like, I, I work in a uh, very nerdy area with a bunch of nerdy people. So trying to get them more interested into the weirder games as opposed to uh, D&D, which is everyone's go-to. Yeah. So I, have, current, I have an anecdote when you're done with that. <laughs> okay. Like four separate people walk up to me at work. I, I work at a very large area, like a large building. They're like, hey, I heard you had a podcast about role-playing games. It's like, have, what are your thoughts on D&D? And I'm just like, oh, child. <laughs> oh, you're sweet so much, child. Has, has, any of, has any of them asked you about our man crush we yeah. have on Chan and Tatum? They should? But I, I I don't know what you're talking about a man crush. It's it's full on love. <laughs> nice. So it's a, so you're doing the social aspect. That's pretty cool, man. Are you enjoying? Are yeah. Enjoying it? And I'm I'm trying to get people together to like maybe do a work themed D and D or better game. Yeah. Sweet. Well, you could always turn your call center into the miss scenario. <laughs> <laughs> that would be building. amazing. <laughs> do um. Do like a UA or Call of Cthulhu game set in your building. Ooh. Dude, this would not be the first time I everybody else came, up, came up with a scenario set in the tiny-ass animal hospital I used to work at. Nice. That was like two people in three, like four rooms, and there's a monster. Nice. Oh, Lord. Um, so, cool. real, so real quick, I was in one of the stores I work in for my job, and they have this big whiteboard in the hallway that leads into like their employee lounge and on I'll pull up the picture so I can actually read what it says. But there was basically a sign up board for Dungeons and Dragons. And where did it go? Here we go. Interested D and D signups. And there's like a list of names. And at the bottom it says first game will be Pathfinder 3.5, which what one shot campaign easy for beginners to learn. Oh, oh, oh my! None of those words make sense to me. Hey, you want to play D and D? Fuck, I got some faith for you. Yeah, like I was so tempted to write like, "What is this?" and then like try these games. Like, don't do no, don't do this. I'm sorry, but don't do this. You're only gonna hurt yourself. <laughs> like. Uh-oh. You can say, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, D20. I don't think any of us really are. I know we are talking about doing Starfinder, which kind of simplifies some of the stuff in Pathfinder. Oh, we and should talk about that Starfinder game, by the way. We'll probably save it for another time. We, sure. We're getting close. Yeah, but, like, Pathfinder is not something I would start 
anybody on. I would wait at least like a couple sessions of something else before even looking at Pathfinder. <laughs> like literally anything else. I would actually take like 5E over Pathfinder. Oh, so you want to play guitar, huh? Here's a little Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start you out on Dragon Force. Here you go. <laughs> oh, God. So uh, anything else? Like I, I do have one last little tidbit I want to share just as an experiment more than anything. But like, uh, anybody else have anything they want to add? Uh, I got my copy of Zweihander in today. Do, do, do you owe the mailman like back surgery? Like how's his <laughs> disc? I probably should. Like, so Zweihander is basically not Warhammer role playing, fantasy role play, and the book it's print on demand. And I think I just put like at least one child from drive through RPGs, like staff, like through college with the amount of paper that they used on this thing. Cause it is Jesus. no shit. Almost 700 pages long. Damn, um, it was the best of games. It was the worst of games. Yeah. 691 pages. Like I know we, we've joked and talked about how red market is a, is a huge ass book, but this thing, Oh man, this thing outclasses by like a, a full, a full grade, but I'm very excited to, to look through this and try and come up with something. So, all right, here's the question: though. Which would you rather stop a bullet, Zweihander or Alpha Omega? Alpha Omega is really thin, and it's like it's only one book compared to like I would take Zweihander to actually stop a bullet. Yeah, like, but when you when you use Alpha Omega, you're destroying something beautiful, which makes it so much better. <laughs> oh God! All right. So, so what were we talking about? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do got to share. It gets funnier every time. <laughs> uh, you know, for Patreon, oh, we can't do any more rule of threes. <laughs> you know, for Patreon, we ought to do like it's a game designers workshop. There should be like Adam fucks up his children like <laughs> workshop. So, like first off, we didn't we haven't really recorded a proper episode. I don't think we talked about it, and now's not the time. It was very great. I enjoyed the remake of it, but. If you haven't gotten used to YouTube and the shit that's out there, the basic format is whatever's big, like we're going to, you're going to find like a million incarnations of it. Like I think there's even one of those little, little finger, little daddy finger. Where are you with Pennywise? Oh, like really? God. Like dude, there's just fucked up shit, right? That shit's terrifying. Well, well, here's the thing. And I don't even know if you know this shit about everything that went on. Like, so I start out my, like, show my daughter a video, and then, like, this was like a month or two back, and I went, like, I stepped out of the room to cook something, and I walked in, and it was like a flash animation of, like, Pennywise, and there's little Georgie with his arm ripped off, and I'm like, I walk up and stop, and I'm like, no, no, no. Well, it's already in the queue, so it's already in, like, the whatever algorithm that YouTube uses, like, periodically it throws Pennywise in. I mean, I could start with, my little ponies, but we're going to end with beep, beep, Richie every fucking time. But so she's, she's asked to see it. And I'm like, no, you can't. When you're older, I would love to watch it with you and et cetera, et cetera. Well, last week at school, which they dropped my daughter off from, she's in kindergarten. They drop her up to high school because the times are like, I start work at eight and she starts school at like seven 30. And, you know, so there's a little layover time before I can take her home. So she hangs out in my class and watches YouTube. Anyway, like, everybody left the room. The bell rang, and I was getting ready to go outside and do my duty. And I turned around, and I had this beautiful Linux poster, guys. And it's got these two little penguins on it. And I see my daughter taking a uh, 
a, a push tack kind of thing for my board and just just stabbing my penguin. And I, that that kind of made me mad, dude. Like, I don't, I love her, but like, leave my fucking penguin alone, man. But like, so I walk up behind her and lightly just kind of poop on the back of the head. Not like I did elbow drop her, but it's like like enough to move her head. I go stop, and then she starts mumbling. And I go, what? Because I was expecting, like, I automatically, I'm one of those people, like, I go into offense right, pretty oh, no. quick. I go, what? <laughs> she looks up at me, man, and she goes, float two. You'll float two. And, I, and it's like, I hear this little five-year-old girl sitting there quoting Pennywise. You'll float two. You'll float two. It's just like, like, yeah, we need to fucking fix that damn YouTube, man. So it, that was, like, chill counting. Oh, and my God. Our good friend Laura, when if you ever listen to this, please just like this is my social experiment. I want you to just pop up and say in my message feed, Adam, what the fuck? <laughs> Never let me near my child. <laughs> what is it? What is going on with the fucking prototype? I've, Every I've liked, story I've heard about her recently has been terrifying. <laughs> she is either going to be a serial killer or save the world, and I don't think there's a middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm doing my best, guys. So, just to let you know, your I, best is bad. <laughs> I, I, think, my best. I think you can actually clear like your t- YouTube cache to like get rid of all that stuff. But gonna how effective to. it's really gonna be is. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you should you should dress her up as like uh, Georgie for Halloween and like have her like wander around the neighborhood just oh saying my you'll float too. I would, I would, oh my god, that's what I should have done in Halloween. I should have just bought a yellow little rain slick and just like cut the arm off and made it bloody and have her walk around. Like, how long would they, how would you stir? Well, here's the thing, Chris. Like, I, I would just want to see if I could actually make it out of the parking lot before they, like, no, no, get back. We have CPS coming. Oh, well. So, this has been a role player exchange. If you like what you've listened to, and I haven't, it all scares you. Why? why? <laughs> yeah, why? Uh, please like or subscribe on whatever medium you're going with. I would like to also mention that the month of December, this will be our last month for our beautiful theme song by which band, Chris? Oh, uh, are you talking about Critical Hit by uh, Ghost Mice? Yes. You can always check them out on Planet X Records for more folk punk good. Would like to thank the I think the, guy, uh, the great folks there. They were kind enough to allow us to use their song as our theme song when we were nobody, and now we're still nobody. But you know, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and so we also have these social media platforms. So uh, if you could check us out at, um, uh, you can find us on Twitter at RP Exchange. That's R P E X C H A N G E. You can. We have a we have a Gmail now, right? Yeah, it's uh, rollpointexchange at gmail dot com. So you can email us there. Um, you can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook dot com slash the roleplaying exchange. Yes, if you get the furries, just take off the the. But I think it's the the. Yeah. Okay, and we also have the roleplaying exchange dot com. Awesome, awesome, and you know what? If you can't think of the perfect gift for somebody, give them the gift to our uh, roleplaying exchange. So. Share it on their feed. Like uh, that's that's cruel. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah. I don't know like, if I would recommend that. Like I mean I, if you I, do that for someone, I, I assume the uh 
subtext of the gift is you're next. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that you should, however, just go around and start subscribing random people to us. Yeah. Yeah, just have us show up in their feed. That's fine. And while you're at it, check out our beautiful sister content. Well, that sounds bad when I say beautiful sister with this accent. But <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, Adam. I know, but I just caught out. But we also have a – I got a podcast to recommend for you. Have you wondered about Sex Archie? God knows I have. And where can I find out about Sex Archie at, Noah? Oh, well, you can check out Sex Archie. Yeah, you podcast. Can, yeah, you can look up uh, Sex Archie there. Uh, uh, a Riverdale Archie podcast. I also do a Riverdale themed podcast with my good friend Kyle Cardi. Uh, uh, it's called Maple Syrup Blood Money. Uh, we talk about all sorts of random shit and the primarily the show Riverdale and our inane role playing uh, based ideas that we just kind of jam in there to make the show extra inaccessible. Um, <laughs> Is it really a sex Archie? Yes, there's a show called Sex Archie, yes. Well, I'll be fuck, fuck those guys. Listen to Blood Sugar, Blood, Blood Sugar Sex Badger. Yes. <laughs> Blood Sugar Sex Badger. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Blood, Blood Sugar Sex Badger is an Unknown Army's character. Uh, it's a Red Hot Chili Peppers album from the 90s. <laughs> I think we're getting slap happy. Patrick, you, you, you got anything you want to get off your chest? Um, follow me on Twitter at Oi Harkin. Harkin is H-A-R-K-I-N. Um, in the pipelines, I'll be working with uh, another podcast called Narrative Drive. Uh, we've just got together to do our uh, enclave creation for Red Markets uh, for a campaign that we'll be doing in the new year. So keep an eye on that. Ooh, awesome, fancy. Ooh. Looking forward to it. You can you can follow like if I know I have a personal Twitter account. I think Chris does as well. But uh, I, I don't know I if you've ever used it. Active. <laughs> uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at Common Otaku. That's K-A-M-E-N-O-T-A-K-U. I retweet the shows that I'm on along with other shows that I like and other random bullshit. So, yeah, there's that. Enjoy that. That's my <laughs> gift to you. Merry Christmas. I've been doxxed enough times that you could probably find my Twitter just by looking up my name. So... I think I follow you, so... <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, I'm about to blow off the dust off my Twitter account. It's on, it, They told me it's inactive right now. <laughs> but it's Deep One Hybrid, if you want to find it, if I've figured out. Uh, Lord. Anyway, hey guys, uh, this will be the last time you hear from us before the new year of 2018. If we all don't get blown up in the midtime, meantime, so... <laughs> it's great to know. It's a real good thought to go out on. Merry Christmas. See you in hell. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Chris. uh, We did not think this through. (laughs) Not all fights are won by skill. Some are won by luck. Don't ever give in. You've got to keep on trying till you lose or you win. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Wait with hope for the big 2-0. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it roll, let it go.